1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Like Jake and Elwood, Norm's on a mission from God. You never mess with a guy's beer. Celebrating Norm's tarpon on fly, going over the definition of misinformation, and does Happy Bay and football have a connection? All this week on The Real Guy Podcast. Clear the airwaves. The Lunker Dog is on the air. Are you ready? This is The Real Guy Podcast. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Real Guy Podcast. This week we have Captain Norm from the Nautical Ventures Weekly Fisherman on 940 AM every Saturday morning. So explain to me how you could walk in the Lunker Dog Studios, hand a guy a Monte Cristo. Yeah. And then tell me you failed at everything today. You just handed me. I really did. You did not. You handed me a Monte Cristo. If nothing else, that should make your day like a win. All right. Well, let me, let me, first of all, the Monte Cristo is a thank you for putting uh, me on my first fly rod caught tarpon. So thank you. Oh, well. That's, that's what that, however, um, I was on a mission from Gad. Like the Blues Brothers. Like the Blues Brothers. Elwood. Great. We're on a mission from Gad. Jake Jake and Elwood. Jake and Elwood. I was on a mission from God to find find a six-pack of original Michelob beer. Original Michelob. Right. With the gold uh, leaf on it. Right. Okay. And it was one of the most... Heavily distributed beers in the 70s and 80s. It's class. All right? What made me think about it was the other day. I saw Bill Demler posted an old picture of him with a Michelob. And I'm like, whatever happened to Michelob? Original Michelob. You got Michelob Ultra everywhere. Right. They got a Michelob Amber Bach. Right. They've got some kind of weird, goofy Michelob light gold. But they don't have, there's no distributorship for original Michelob. They don't have it. Nobody has original Michelob? I found it on the west coast of Florida. Where? I told you I was on a mission from Gad. I went to four four different stores today before I came over here. Four. I started at Crown. They didn't have it. I went to Publix. They had every goofy beer you can imagine. Everything. Except Michelob. No Michelob. No original Michelob. They even had Miller Genuines. Okay? But they didn't have any Michelob. Right. All right? I went to 7-Eleven because the only reason I went to 7-Eleven was because I actually went online and I said, where can I get Michelob original? And they said 7-Eleven online. And it was on the internet, so, you know, it must be true. Went to 7-Eleven. Not there. Struck out at 7-Eleven. Who yeah. strikes out at a 7-Eleven? I did. Okay, so then I said, all right, I'm going to go to ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Yep, which is, a big place. which is a big place. 
They're a sponsor for uh, Mike's Weather Page. Little shout out to them and a little shout out to Mike's Weather Page. Y'all should be paying attention now as hurricane season is really kind of starting to ramp up and the tropics are getting active. And they didn't have it. Mike's Weather but, Page. But they didn't have, but they, but what, what the guy at uh, ABC said was that there's no distributorship for it on the east coast of Florida. So you have to go to the west coast of Florida or call a distributor and find out if there's maybe like a little mom and pop that's bringing it in. Right. Hmm. So long story short. So they sell cigars and I said, well, I'm going to, I can't bring the Michelob original in. So I'm going to bring in uh, some original Monte Cristos. Well, so there you go. Well, I'd much rather have a Monte Cristo than a Michelob. Well, and am I not? Am I mistaken when I'm saying that uh, the company that's making Michelob now is the same company that made Bud Light, like Ambev or some some it, country it, like well, that? Well, it, it might be an Anheuser Busch uh, product. I don't know. Well, you know, there's like I'm not sure. This, I, it's been a, a while. Well, there's this other company that that. Is now, you know, Anheuser Busch. Right. And I can't remember the name of it. So I think it's Ambev or something. Inbev, I think Inbev. it is. Yeah, yeah. And there's a whole <clears> bunch <throat> of people that are boycotting the Bud Light thing, and I'm not saying that they're right or wrong for it, but then they'll turn around and have a Milk Ultra, which is the same fucking company. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, it is. I mean, people that, listen, that's that's just, that's that's a cultural thing. I mean, you just don't screw with America's beers. Did you switch? Did you switch from Bud Light to something? Did you were you a Bud Light drinker? I, I really wasn't. I was always a Coors Light guy. Right. So my my preference is Coors Light or uh, um, Amstel Light. So you did, which I think is a really so, good so light you did, beer. You really had no participation. I didn't care. You had no participation in the Bud Light boycott thing. The, the the extent of my participation in the Bud Light thing is to look at all these fools that are making a big deal of it. And going, all right, well, that's fine. We're not going to drink that beer anymore. And you know what? You can you can screw with America a lot. And we're going to talk a lot about that today. <laughs> but the one thing you don't do is you don't screw with America's beers. You want to piss off some old boys? Okay. Screw with his beer. Yeah, that's true. Okay, and what do they lose? Like $6 billion in market share? Some insane amount of money. Now they, lost, they lost a lot. It was a big deal. I think it should have been a big deal. I was a uh, Nickelodeon Ultra drinker due to my fatness. Yeah. Right? I think that tastes like swill. It, it, yeah, it's not great. It's not a good. There's, and, and, there's better light beers. And Bud Light, in my opinion, was horrible as far as the taste goes. Yeah. But regardless, I wasn't a Bud Light drinker, but I was a Mick Light, Mick Ultra drinker. Yeah. Now I'm just drinking. What are you drinking? Now? I'm drinking Miller Light. Miller Light, yeah, that's fine. I'm drinking Miller Light. It's one more calorie than an Ultra. That's it. And it tastes great. And it tastes great. And I don't know, like that whole, the whole, the whole Bud Light thing. But I was at a friend's house up in, in the Boston area. In Boston. Yeah. And you uh, went up there. What are they drinking up there in Boston? Well, my buddy Fran up China there. Block. My buddy Fran. No, that's Texas. I'm my, sorry. My buddy Fran out there. It 
Ankastein. At like 11 a.m., we were over there saying goodbye to him, and we were turning a whole bunch of tuna tackle to him. Yeah. Fran yeah. Has, a, has a basement. They all got basements. But Fran's basement, there's a section of it that is God's gift to tackle. Oh. And Fran's got all the best shit. Really? All the spreader bars. He's got 130s. He's got 80s. He's got 50s all the way down to 30s. Nice. He's all geared up. And my cousin Eric and I hit him up all the time. We go over to his little... Yeah, but does he fish it? He fishes it. Because um, there's guys that just have all the stuff, but sometimes they don't even have a boat. He's not a hardcore or nothing. Okay. Right. But if you remember the Bluefin Tuna video that we did in the old YouTube days. Yeah, yeah. That 200-plus pounder we yeah, got. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, was with yeah. Fran. Okay, all right, That cool. was my dog. Yeah. So anyway, we're, we're over there at Fran's house and um, totally taking advantage of all his tackle that he has. And he asked me if I needed a beer. Actually, we were returning the tackle. Okay. And he asked me if I needed a beer. And, you know, it's 11 o'clock, of course. 11 o'clock in the morning. Absolutely. You know, on what vacation. What is too early to drink a beer? It's never too early to drink a beer. Okay. But so so he reaches in and he hands me out a Miller High Life. Not okay. A, not a Miller Lite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, not an Ultra. Yeah. But a High Life. Was it a tall boy or was it just a regular? Just a regular 12 ounce right. in the okay. clear bottle. Okay. And oh, was, in the bottle. Nice. And I was like, man, that's old school. Nice. That's old school. And then he proceeded to tell me how he's only doing the original beers. Mm-hmm. He says he'd rather have one good original because he's not a big beer drinker. Yep. He drinks one or two yep. a day. He yep. says so he, he's doing a little high life. And I haven't had a Miller High Life, and I can't tell you how long. Dude, I almost brought some over. And it's such... I did. I almost brought a Miller High Life over. Got a lot of flavor. Well, they have they have them in these tall boys. They got a lot of flavor. Yeah, that you see all the drunks on the streets. Well, when you go from Ultra to Miller Lite to Miller High Life. Well, that's a big step. It's a lot of flavor. That is. That's a lot of flavor. Collect damn right. That's what we drink up here. All right. So so, uh, so anyway, so I didn't find it. I actually didn't buy anything because uh, I just kind of figured, well, you know what? That's just a loss. You know, we're just losing so much and we just don't have, you know, I, I just didn't buy any beer. But... I bought these cigars, and it's a celebratory cigar. It is. It's a ce- and and you know something that's that's a great tradition, cigar tradition, uh, and uh, you know it goes back a long, long ways. Uh, guys have been celebrating um, momentous occasions uh, for a very long time with cigars. So well, this be- is one. Well, besides getting you up at the crack of dawn, <laughs> what was your favorite part about getting your tarpon on fly? Uh, just the whole experience of being on the boat with Captain Jeff and Captain Tim, and I mean, it was it, that was the first time I ever uh, fished with Tim. Um, it's fun, right? So it was it was a great time. Actually, we caught two on. Well, we caught you caught one first, right? Then I caught two right. on fly, and then we called it a night. We called it a night. Well, but we started we started. Uh, we started in another spot, and we we whacked the piss out of the jacks, and I caught a snook. Uh, did you get a slam on fly? I did. No, not on fly, but I got a slam. That was also my first slam, inshore slam. Yeah. <laughs> which would be the four, so slam? Which would be the four Lauderdale trash slam, which is tarp and tarp snook, and snook and jacks. Jack. Why would you call it a trash slam? Dude, I'm only... That's I'm, not really a trash I'm, slam. I'm like appeasing to the Andy Mill crowd, to the Keys people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, but but those guys, a tarpon, a, 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 tarpon, a bonefish, and a permit is a slam. Right. 
And, so. they, and they look down upon us city folk, well, you know, yeah. and they're out there chasing around the big three while we're slumming it with a couple jacks and barracudas and stuff. But you know what? We've had some, we've had some, uh, we've had some monumental catches here in the Real Guy Network here in the last uh, couple of months, really, uh, starting with, you know, my Blue Marlin, and then TJ Ralph stepped up his game, and he went out there and dragged a real spread. And caught himself a blue marlin. TJ's coming in for a podcast. Okay, all right. So we won't get too much into that. Um, so congratulations to TJ. Uh, and then uh, my kid got his first harpin. He did. That was that was that was awesome. That was a great experience. And I mean, he was just you know, he was all lit up. And I remember after after we got off the boat, he looks at me. He goes, Dad. He says. Those things get up to be like 100 pounds. And I said, yeah. I said, even bigger than that. And he says, what do they fight like? <laughs> I said, well. He's ready for a big yeah, one now. Yeah, he's ready. He thinks he's, 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 now you got him, now you got him hooked. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But that was a great fish to start him out on and, and, you know, teach him the basics and everything else like that. And then, uh, what else? Um, Drew. Drew caught himself a big snook on fly. He got, Did you see that? He got snook and tarpon on fly Yeah, from the beach in the same week. Did he get a jack? I don't know. I bet he did. I bet he slammed in the surf, a surf slam. Well, I don't know if that counts. It's not, I mean, it, you got to do it's it It's not really. You got to do it in 24 hours. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but yeah. He did. But he did get, he did get um, tarpon and snook on fly off the beach. The mm-hmm. fly fishing thing's kind of taken over for us, at least recreationally. Yeah, I mean, I'm getting a lot of clients that are doing more fly fishing nowadays, but recreationally, like I've been down to the beach doing the pre-pot action. I've probably gone eh, 20 times this summer so far. Really? And what I mean by gone is like I, I, I stroll out of here, you know, at about four thirty, five o'clock. Yeah. Usually after a rainstorm, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. I'll go down to the beach for like an hour, hour and a half. Yeah. I get a little exercise in and walk down the beach, put my Method this year has been 100% fly. I haven't gone there and fished bait once. I haven't fished artificial once. I've been fishing fly. So I roll down there, and then I'll walk maybe a mile, mile and a half with my fly rod. Yeah. And I've been getting in some decent shots on uh, the snooks. have been big in pre-pod this year, if you haven't noticed. Ha- um, well, I, mean, I, haven't been, I haven't been to the beach yet. Well, I need to go. But you've been seeing everybody's pictures. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, when I mean big... 12 pounds, 15 yeah, 12, pounds. Yeah, 12 pounds, 10 yeah. pounds. Those are big beach those are good. Those are good beach snugs. Those are big pre-pod snugs. Yeah. I don't care what anybody tells you. We're usually catching three, four pounders down there. Well, have you ever noticed, and I I, I, I saw that the Dolphins won't want a, a pre-game, a preseason game, but have you, uh, the other day, and this got me thinking about it, have you noticed that preseason football and pre-pod takes place at the same time? Do you think there's any coincidence in that? Yeah. I mean, there's some coincidence. You know? It's just the way that God made the world evolve. I mean, we made the world go around. I I think there's definitely there's definitely some scientific, uh, you know, evidence to show that those two things happened at the same time for a reason. Okay. And what do you think the reason might be? I don't know. I'm not smart enough to answer that question. But you, but, but you're just feeling th- it. I mean, think about it. You're feeling like an inner force. Okay, think about it. And then, and then, at the time when prepod sort of ends, 
is when the mullet run starts. And that's about the same time that regular football starts ramping up. Right. There's a tie between there's a tie between our bait and our football. There's a tie in there. I don't know what it is. There's a coincidence there. You're feeling some sort of inner force, some sort of There's I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. It's like a it's like a, a force in the universe that I'm not smart enough to uh right. explain. So you know what I'm not smart enough to explain? What's that? Misinformation. <laughs> So, like, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, all this bullshit that's been going on in the media for the last, call it six years, seven years, or whatever. Uh-huh. And then the whole driver to this is about misinformation. Yeah. So I go online and I put in misinformation to Google. I want to find out what it actually means. Did your computer start smoking? No. A few things came up. Okay. Like what? But they were, they contradicted one another. Well, that's caught, that's. That's because it's misinformation. It's supposed to be contradictory in nature. Well, like, one of the definitions says that... I wrote it down, but I need my glasses to see it. Mm -hmm. So, it is the false information that is purposely spread in order to mislead. False information that's purposely spread to mislead. To mislead. All right, so I thought I had it. Right. That's also called propaganda if it comes from the media. And wouldn't it just be lying? Oh, you can't call it that. You can't say lying. You can't say that. You just say okay. The only, the only, the only way that that's appropriate to apply that specific term is if you are talking about politicians and weathermen, who are the only people that I know that can make a living out of lying to you. Misinformation. Misinformation. Okay. Okay. All right. But you can't use that term. Like, if I call you a liar, right? that's a very incendiary thing to do. Okay? If you call somebody else's, if, if you call somebody else's relative, hey, your father is a liar, those are fighting words. Right. Okay? So you have to be very careful about who... You're talking to when you apply that term. Now, some people, it's okay, but it's very few. Dude, did you just certify your trash can over there? My my trash can's been certified. You don't have a I didn't notice that. You don't have a certified trash can? I guess I should certify it. Well, yeah. All right. Well, I'm sorry. We got... I just noticed the RTD sticker on on this old trash can. And I got the skinny Jenny, which is Musso's vote on there okay but yeah i mean if you if it if you have the uh, opportunity to certify your trash can can you think of one good reason not to certify your trash can no mitchell's got his outdoor trash can certified down the street yeah and uh yeah i go by there i got a look and i see the rtd sticker on it it's kind of cool all right so anyway to answer your question yes that is a certified trash can that's class it is class it's almost as classy as sitting here sporting the piss out of my fresh Monte Cristo. Yeah, man. It's a good smoke. So is the tarpon on fly? Was that everything you thought it was going to be? Um, just, well, I mean, I've, I, I, used to, I used to fly fish a lot right. when I was much younger. And for whatever the reason, I just got away from it. And, you know, seeing you guys out there in the surf doing it, I started thinking to myself, man, why have I given it up? 
And I've caught a lot of I've caught a lot of fish on fly. Caught bonefish. I've caught big king salmon's on fly. I've caught just all kinds of stuff. Um, but uh, I'd never had the opportunity to catch tarpon on a fly, and I don't have a lot of bucket list items anymore in my life. Um, and that's not because I've, I'm saying that I've done it all. It's just for me, you know, angling achievements. I just kind of I don't know. They just don't really mean that much to me anymore. Um, and maybe that's because of my, you know, I've kind of lost it a little bit, my love for it a little bit, but it was rekindled because I mean, when we rolled up on that one spot and I, and I made that shot at that, at that fish and he woofed it, he came up and woofed it like out of nowhere. I was just like, Whoa. All right. Now I've, now I remember and it all came rushing back. Right. And now it's like. You know, now I'm on eBay and I'm looking up stuff to buy and I'm looking up flies and all this kind of stuff. And it's just like, oh, wait a minute. Hold on. You know, I went down to Sandy Moret's shop in uh, Isla Mirada. I took a day trip with the kid down there and I had him rig a couple of reels for me because I don't know what the hell I'm doing with it. Um, And I hadn't even picked up a fly rod in, oh, I bet it's been 12 years. Now you caught that fish on your fly rod? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, and But it's amazing. I was blown away by how expensive fly fishing is now. Modern me. <coughs> expensive. Oh, my God. I mean, $700 fly rods, eight $900 reels, which are like, why? Nine, $9 flies. <clears throat> you know, $9 fly. Why? Why is that? It's like golf. Okay. It's I don't understand it. Why is this? What 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 are the materials that go into these fly rods that make them that much more expensive? It it nothing. I don't get it. It's not the material. <clears throat> it's just the guy that's buying it. The guy the the guy that's doing flies got got a few dollars. Unlike us, no. <laughs> no, I mean you know, but I mean you can still find reasonably priced equipment. Okay, like that that reel that I have is a White River fly reel. It's like a hundred and forty dollar fly reel. Okay, and it's bar stock aluminum. It's it's got everything that you want on a fly reel. It's got plenty of backing. It, you know, I mean, it's a really nice little reel. And I, I, I mean, I think if Abel made the same reel, that same reel would be like a seven eight Abel. Correct. Okay, a seven eight weight Abel and a seven eight weight. Um, White River. White River. Basically the same, but it's a, it's a five hundred dollar difference. Right, five hundred dollars. What the hell, dude? That's a, that's just a. Is thing. it a status thing? The only thing I can go by is tips. Okay. Tips. Yeah, tips. Like my average live bait guy, uh-huh. they tip. They yeah. do pretty good. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying that they're bad tippers. Okay. But the average fly guy is out tipping your bait guy. Really? Yep. I mean, it's not uncommon for. The fly guy to give you, you know, a couple hundred, two fifty on the tip. No kidding. Not a big deal for them. And so it it's a status thing. It's 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 a socioeconomic uh at Midway USA, we know the AR fifteen is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR fifteen are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and five five six ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, 
Shop MidwayUSA.com. Uh, function. Well, I think it makes them feel better when they finally catch their nice fish on fly because they spent more and they have more invested. You know, there used to be there used to be a very nice fly shop here in Fort Lauderdale. It was uh, it was an Orvis fly shop, and there was a lady and a, a, a lady that that owned it for many years. Her name was Sandy, and I can't remember her last name. Doggone it! She's a wonderful, very very nice lady. I took her. I actually took her fishing with me one time uh, with Mark Croca. Doggone it! And uh, yeah, and uh, <laughs> hey, you know, I'm trying not to swear. It's all right. Doggone it! Fuck. Anyway, so. Uh, but at any rate, um, that that fly shop went away. I think she moved to Montana, and uh, it seemed like to me, anyway, fly shops were just getting more and more and more expensive. And I mean, like I, I, I was blown away. I went to Sandy's shop, and I'm like, who can afford this? Fly guys, fly guys, fly guys can afford it. I mean, it's crazy the kind of money. All right, so. I got this fly guy customer. I'm not going to mention any names yeah. or anything. Nice dude. Yeah, yeah. Fishes with his son. I like him. Yeah. We've caught some fish together. He, um, I think he had like a 21 foot scout. Mm-hmm. That's a big. That's a that's that's a lot of money. You're right. It's a nice boat. Yeah. And um, so anyway, he has this 21 foot scout. I took him fly fishing on his boat. On my boat. On your boat. Two years ago. Okay. And then last year I didn't take him fishing. I don't think. Unless it was last year, I get my ears mixed up, but that doesn't make any difference. What does make a difference is homeboy after fly fishing with me sold the scout and got a hell's bay. Why? Because he's a fly fishing guy now. All right. Well, I mean that's okay. So we got it. Wait, let me finish. So he yeah, got his yeah. hell's bay, okay. and then we're fishing the other night. And when he booked, he was telling me about his hell's bay, and he wanted to take his boat. Uh-huh. Which he ended up not doing and ended yeah. up taking my boat. Okay. And then in the course of the trip, he wanted to know if I wanted to buy his Hell's Bay. So I think he got overexcited. Yeah, you know, that doesn't surprise me. Let me ask you a question. As a as a fly guy. Fly guy. Is it appropriate for a fly guy to use another fly guy's rod? Well. Like if I, if, if. If somebody came to you and said, Jeff, I need to borrow your fly rod, That's even cool. if he was an accomplished fly caster, would you not feel a little uncomfortable about that? I think it's like trying to, I, I think it's like asking to borrow somebody's underwear. It's just a little bit, in, it's just a little bit inconvenient and it's a little bit inappropriate. I think it's inappropriate. All right. And you're right. Especially for the go-to tackle. All right, so like... I'm, All your fly tackle is go-to. Well, let me let me explain. All right, so I'm using 8, 9, and 10 weights religiously right now. Mm-hmm. Right? 9 is what I could walk down the beach with. I use the 8 at night for smaller fish. Right. And then the go-to is uh, basically a 9 weight or a 10 weight. But anyway, those are my go-to. 10's a heavy rod to throw consistently. Yeah. Thank thank yeah. God with our tarpon fish, we're only making a few casts tonight. Right. But anyway, um, the whole idea is those are my go-tos. And I would be fairly reluctant to be like, yeah, go ahead, Norm, take one or two of them to go use. <sighs> on the other hand. I couldn't do it. On the other hand, I have a really nice, which is probably my most expensive rig. I have a G Loomis with an Abel reel 
12 weight for the big tarpon. Mm -hmm. I've only brought the thing out maybe eight times in my entire life. Yeah. And say you were coming to get a catch a sailfish or a big tarpon and you needed that tackle. Yeah. I would encourage you to take that rig, the 12 weight. Yeah, but I wouldn't fish it on my boat. I would fish it on your boat. Either way, no. I would encourage you to use that tackle. I'd I don't know that I would feel comfortable doing that. Maybe you wouldn't feel comfortable no. taking it, but I feel comfortable letting you use it because it's not my go-to. If you broke that shit tomorrow, right? I, I, I couldn't replace it. Well, It's th too expensive. Then you shouldn't borrow it, but I'm just saying. Yes. I'm just saying that because it's not a go-to, if you broke it, it wouldn't bother me not to have it for three weeks. Well, yeah, because you just don't use it that much. Right, it's not a go-to. And I'm not that attached to it. Like, I haven't caught friggin' 1,000 tarpon on the friggin' thing like I have on my 9 weight. So, uh, so yeah, and, and you know, now, now of course, me being the tackle whore that I am, uh, you know, my 9 weight is rigged with a Billy Pate anti-reverse fly reel, uh, which is a fantastic fly reel. I've caught some big fish on it, but it's like throwing a brick. And... I picked up your nine weight, and I was like, "God, this is light. Yeah, this is nice." So, um, you know, I I I scoured the I scoured the planet like a good tackle whore does uh, for something that's affordable but serviceable, which is kind of my standard for for you know purchasing tackle anymore these days. And uh, so you, you know, you purchased some new fly equipment. I did. I bought a. Um, I I found it on eBay. That White River fly reel that I got, that seven eight. That's a great reel, and I I beat the livid piss out of that thing, and I've caught a lot of fish on that thing. So I mean, I really, and I've blown up some fly reels too. Uh, so um, I said, well, why don't I just get the next size up on this fly reel? And I found a nine ten White River, and for a hundred bucks. That's real guy shit right there. Reddington, Reddington has been doing uh, working class guys fly reel for a long time. Yeah. I had breakwaters at a Reddington's. Mm -hmm. I got the new behemoth, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. is like a polyurethane or something. I don't know. Polyurethane? That's don't. plastic. Yeah, it's plastic. Really? I don't know what the fuck it is. It's, it comes in a weird orange color and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway... It's beefy. It's a beefy rod for tarpon. It's a great reel. Okay. And then I go with a TFO friggin'. Uh, yeah, that's what I've got. Yeah, the TFO Pro Two or whatever it is. Yeah. It's, you know that whole setup. Yeah. Rod and reel and everything is less than four hundred. And that's what it should be. This is what I'm saying. You can't even buy. You can't buy a Loomis for less than for for four hundred dollars. They're all like five, six, seven hundred dollars. Well, you're not. It's a, insane. You're not a Loomis guy. Wait a minute. I used to be. Let me tell you something. The best casting fly rod I ever put in my hand was a Loomis GL2. Now this is going back a long ways. This is going back to maybe the late '80s, and I had a Scientific Angler's reel on it, a System Two uh, Eight Nine on it, and. <clears throat> I I caught I've I've caught bonefish with that outfit and I could throw it like it was an extension of my arm. It loaded beautifully and I still to this day I have not picked up another fly rod that loads as nice as that old G Loomis did. And even my TFOs don't load up like that. And um I don't know, it's probably my technique which was just sorely lacking that night that we went out. But I hadn't done it in 
almost 15 years. Well, Norm, I don't think that you exactly fit the fly fishing guy's mold. No, why, why would you say that? Well, you don't have all the equipment, like all the stuff. Like like the accessories? Well, like when you went fishing with me the other night, you had on like a regular t-shirt, like a ball cap, and you didn't have like a fly box. Oh, I didn't look the part. You did not look the part. You, uh, did, you did not have the shirt with the five pockets. So I got to step up my game. I wouldn't say you have to step up your game. I'm just saying that I got to step up my casting game. You're not. Oh my god, was I rusty? You're not fitting the mold, dude. Like North Face, Patagonia, <laughs> Columbia. You know, let me tell you something. Me, Crocs. No, you don't wear Crocs fly fishing, dude. The guy that taught me how to fly fish or did a lot of fly fishing, where he sported the piss out of his Crocs. Oh, jeez. All right, so let me just tell you something. Um, I used to do a uh, a fly trip every year to the Per Marquette River in Upper Michigan, and the king salmon's would get in that river um, in the fall, and the fall up there being late September into the, maybe the first or two first week or two of October, and we stayed at this beautiful lodge called the Barothy Lodge. And it was me and Ross and a couple of these other guys from Alabama. And we'd go up there and we'd knock the piss out of the river run salmon. And believe it or not, most of our fishing was done at night in those streams. Really? Which was an amazing experience. Um, And it was, uh, yeah, most of it was done. I mean, we'd get started. We'd probably walk out of the lodge around 2.30 in the afternoon, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And by the time we got geared up and put our waders on and got down into the stream and uh, the river, rather, uh, you know, it was going on 4 o'clock. And this is, of course, you know, 4.30, 5 o'clock. And this is, you know, sun's starting to Just set you, down in the t- west. Take you a solid hour to prepare. Oh, absolutely, because you got all these accessories. Right. You know, you got to put those waders on you got to have the right socks you got to have the you know you got to take the the, your regular shoes off you got to get all geared up okay and that takes you know you got four or five guys going at the same time so i mean you know it was uh it it was a production just to get ready fly fishing is a bit of a production it's a process yes for sure even here let me get let me let me let me take you step by step go ahead all right so i'm leaving the house Mm. okay so I'm going to get my fly rod in the case yeah, with my fly reel in the yeah. case. Yeah. And if you look, you see how I got the fly reel? Yeah, you got it all right there. Right. And I got it, I got it, hung, on, I got it hung on the strap. Mm-hmm. So I put the strap like this on my handlebar. I like that. Right? So I'm rolling down the beach like this on my handlebar. Okay. Then I got my man purse. So do you, wait a minute. Hold on. Do you, so you load all this on the bike from the house and... and Right over to the beach? Right. As, nice. I, as I've been rolling, getting okay. a little exercise okay. and a little fly yeah. fishing. Yeah. 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 So I got the case for the reel and for the rod. When okay. have you ever seen me have a case for anything? No. But for fly fishing, you I do. You have to. Then I have, assault, I have assorted man purses. Okay. As my kid would call Merces. Merces? Yeah. All right. I have medium size, which will hold. Is that on your back? This, this actually goes over my shoulder. That goes on your shoulder. So you got that. So I got that. Okay. So I'm rolling down the beach. I got this. I got that. And then I have the drink in the holder. Okay. Of the bicycle. In here, I got my snips. I got a box of flies. I got a liter. Change Mm -hmm. a liter. Mm -hmm. 
and that's pretty much it. And then I roll down. But considering I'm just going down to the beach fishing, it's a considerable amount of, of extra gear that I normally wouldn't have, and I definitely wouldn't be doing if I wasn't fly fishing. Right, right. So there's right. always an extra step, an extra element. Okay, all right. It's just okay. a fly fishing thing. It's just that's how it is. And, you, and, and, and in order to do it, you just kind of accept that this is part of the process. It is part of the process. Okay. Right. You, can't, you can't do it without doing all that stuff. Well, you saw how I rolled in. I'm trying to remember. I just had my rod, uh, I, uh, four-piece fly rod oh, in Oh, I half. do remember. No, they were, you, you put, he, put, he put his fly rod in my truck with the tips yeah. hanging out the top. Yeah. And I damn near crushed his fly oh, rod. Oh, I know, yeah, that was close. I damn near crushed his fly <laughs> rod because I, I went to hit the back window <laughs> and I heard something and it was his rod. I was like, oh, shit, I didn't. Anyway, no, you didn't get all the way up though. That would be that'd be par for the course for me because I break all my fly shit. <laughs> so I might as well break my friend's fly shit too, dude. I got like three broken rods. I always do, now. Do you have backups for your fly rods? Yeah, I do. I got backups. I have, but now I don't because half of my backups <laughs> are broken. I have. Uh, I have a. I have a. I have a five weight. I have a five weight, an eight, and a nine. And I also have a spare eight weight. And I might even have a spare seven somewhere. It's a lot of yeah. weights. Yeah. Well, but that's because when we went on that, when we did that salmon trip, there was always a guy who would blow up a rod in that, in that river. There was always somebody that would blow up a rod or a reel. So I, I always had backups. I always break my shit. Yeah. I break but we did it on rods. fish. No, I, a lot of the, a lot of the ones that I broke were on fish. Yeah, a lot of the ones and I broke the, weren't on and fish. And that's but. the thing about fly tackle; it's amazing. And maybe this is one of the reasons why it's so expensive these days, because back in the early days, we didn't really have a lot of great fly reels, and if you did, they were kind of expensive. For even for back then, I mean, like a a, a Finor number two was probably. Three hundred dollars, three hundred fifty dollars. It was um, a lot of money back. It was then. a lot of money back then, um, and I mean, I got started with a Fluger Medalist, and uh, I remember one year we we uh, we did that salmon trip, and I said, you know what, it would be cool to catch a a salmon on a Fluger Medalist because that's kind of like the reel that I got started on. Well, I brought one with me, and I hooked about I don't know, it's probably about a fifteen pound salmon. And I could hear the screws coming out of the reel. I mean, that I torqued the frame on the reel. And what a lot of people don't realize is when you're pulling on a big, heavy fish on a fly rod, the entirety of the outfit gets taxed really, really hard, including the reel, especially the reel. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, I torqued, I actually torqued the frame of this reel. And that wasn't the only one I did it on. I did it on some fairly, you know, fairly supposedly good equipment. I blew up an Orvis Batten Kill. You torqued it too hot. I torqued it too hot. I mean, but I mean, I blew up an Orvis Batten Kill. I blew up a Lampson. Uh, I blew up that Fluger Medalist. But I didn't, I didn't blow up the White River. And I caught a lot of fish on that. I had a little, I had my Finor number one that my father gave me many years ago. I caught a giant fish on that one. So, so 
I mean, so let me slow you down a little bit. So catching a fish on a certain fly rig is yeah. meaningful. Absolutely. See, that's real flyology stuff. That's 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 culture. That's how fly fishers mm-hmm. think. Yeah. Like, it, like they really want to catch one on the fly that they made. Oh yeah. Oh god. Well, but you know what? I feel that same way about when I rig baits. But it's the same thing. In other words, you you take it. It's it's. It's a purist's mentality. Okay, so here so, you are. So my mentality of going to discountflies.com. That's oh, kind of, that would be frowned upon that, in many circles. Right, that's not real in no, the fly fishology no, 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 type of no, thinking. No, 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 that's Kmart. Well, that's, that, but, I'll come clean right now. I don't you know, tie my own. I don't care. I don't tie my own flies, and I'm not spending nine bucks a piece for them at old Flutter to Fly Shop. Oh or my the god! Fuck. I'm buying them from discountflies.com. Good. That's the name of it. That's the name of it, and you can. You get... got to tell me what that fly is, by the way. The I, ha- I still have that one. The one that you used. <coughs> That's called a shimmering minnow. Shimmering minnow. Right. Okay. A shimino. A shimino. Yeah. Anyway, man, I'll tell you what. That they they eat the piss out of that thing. It's, now, do you throw that same fly in the surf? No. Eh, I yeah, I have thrown that fly in the surf. In the surf, I like to go with a bigger fly. A bigger fly. Bigger, okay. uglier fly. Okay. Um. And I'm more targeting snooks in the surf than I'm targeting tarpon. Yeah, yeah. Even though you do get the shot at the tarpon here and there in the surf. Yeah. But the whole snook fishing thing with the fly on the beach. That's a special experience. That's a nice thing. I've done it on the West Coast, but not on the East Coast. No, I have. I did. Actually, you know what? There was a funny funny thing. There was a, a back in the late 80s. There's bait guys right now that are like. Sticking just, their finger down just, their throat. They, they're just to... dying. They're like ready to shut this off. <laughs> they probably already okay. have. Um, so there was, a, there was a time when we were fly fishing from the pier. Okay, let that sink in for a second. Cantner style. Cantner was one of the guys. He was one of the guys. And he, was, he, was, he might have even been the guy that started doing it was Cantner. Because I remember Kentner would roll out there with a fly rod, and he was just a masterful fly caster. I, I just remember looking at watching him throw the fly from the pier, and I was like, whoa. And Master, he, masterful. He, he was, yeah. And he would, catch, he would catch some big snooks because these were not the trough snooks. These were the bigger ones, the bigger females that lay out in the second trough. And they'd come down that, you know, that, that second uh, trough. And he'd deliver a fly down to him, and I mean, it was just like whoa. And I watched him catch fish doing that. I caught, I've, I've caught a couple like that, but the problem is, is you get them straight up and down, and then you got to break them off, and there goes your fly. Right. You know, um, or you could walk them down to the beach, but I, we never did that. We just popped them. So, fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish; it's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Timmy's customer, Daniel, Mm -hmm. is beach fishing. Yeah. On the north side of the beach, where you're allowed to fish. Yeah. And a park ranger pulls up and no. tells them they have to go. And Daniel's debating whether or not he should go or not. And then a cop comes up 
and backs up the park ranger. And then what? Da- and then Daniel says to the cop, he says, from what I understand is we're allowed to fish from the lifeguard stands north. Mm-hmm. And the cop says, from my understanding, you're correct, but you have to leave. And threw Why? Because we live in a banana republic. Let me tell you something. I would have told that cop, you know what? Just go ahead and write me the ticket and fight it. That's... I've said this. I've said this on other podcasts. Okay, you guys are just no, just see, taking you, this shit. You would do that under under principle alone. This poor guy Daniel's down on vacation. Uh. You don't want to have to deal with this shit. He should have told him, you know what? I'm just going to forget this. I'm going to put my fly tackle away or whatever fishing rod he was using, and I'm going to go sell crack. <laughs> what? Right, what the hell is wrong with fishing? This is Florida. It's what we do. Yes. What is wrong with these people? And they're, and they're, and they're, and they're always complaining about how kids have nothing better to do or people have nothing better to do than to drink and to make, uh, make, uh, have problems and, and just cause all this bullshit. But they want to harass fishermen for right. doing something that's perfectly legal that they even recognize that's legal? Well, since I struck a chord with you, Drew was also down there. And some lady walked up to him and took offense to him fishing on the beach. One of these days, these are the same people that tried to outlaw beach fishing a few years ago. The same fucking people. Let one of those people roll up on me. Please. Norm, do not beg for confrontation. Hey. I I know you're a tough guy and everything. Hey. It it would be the biggest mistake they made all year. (sighs) The fact of the matter is we pretty much live in a banana republic at this at this point. You know why? Because people think that they're entitled to certain rights. Like they think that beach is their beach. And why is it that they think it's their beach? Because they belong to an HOA. Okay? They belong to a condo association or an HOA. Where they're paying somebody for security. So because they think that they're paying into that fund, they have the right to go and harass Daniel while he's on vacation. Just minding his business, by the way. Fishing. Fishing. With his son. Okay. And why? what gives them the right to think that they own that? They don't. But what they, politician is telling them that? They don't. But they do know that they can control what the cops say and do. Because they're paying that cop to That's do that. Right. And it happened it happened to a client and I fishing the intercoastal down by Hollywood. What's the name of the crab joint? Uh Oh Billy's. Billy's Crab. Yeah, you told so me. So behind about Billy's that. Crab there's yeah. some lights back there and we're yeah. fishing them one night. Yeah. And they told me I couldn't fish there. <sighs> Call the Coast Guard. And I says, No, you're Call mistaken, them. I can fish there. Yeah. And then the cop comes out to tells me I can't fish there. Yeah. And he didn't know the laws, didn't care about the laws. All he knew was that Billy's was paying him yep. time and a half. Yep. So therefore, Billy's called the shots. Yeah. And he said, basically, whatever you want. Now, that's where I say we live in a banana republic. Now, being a real banana republic's a little harsh and everything, but... No, 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 it's not. We do live in a banana republic, but I think it's because of, for a different reason. Because our politicians have become so corrupt... Right. That has trickled down to every pseudo 
quasi-governmental regulatory asshole that walks the face of the planet on down to your condo commandos, like Ed Rebholes. Well, and then these people are partners with the media. And they're partners with the media. Right. Okay. And that's how it, that's how it starts. Because the media drives the narrative. So whatever the media says dictates the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, mindset of the public. Of the sheep. Of the sheep. Who don't have, who don't have the, the, they have the wherewithal and the means, but they don't have the um, drive to go out and find out facts for themselves. So they rely on their traditional sources like news outlets or politicians or condo commando presidents. Uh, and it, it's, it's like, why, where has all, where, why does this exist? Why, how, it, we live in an information age where everybody has a computer, can go online, can look up something, Okay, and find out whether or not, in fact, that's true. Which, which, but they don't do it. They don't do their due diligence. And you're, I know you're a due diligence guy. I'm a due I've, diligence guy. I've actually referred to your due diligence theories over and over again on the podcast. Yeah. But what I did see this week, did you see that country that redneck hillbilly kid from West Virginia? Um, Jason Aldean? No, Aldean's a country singer. Yeah. This guy... He's more like oh. mil, more like a hillbilly. Is I think is the I think. rich. What I Richmond? What's the song? North of Richmond. Rich men north of Richmond. Right. Which is which is a straight shot at Washington D.C. Right. It's about D.C. It's about the Banana Republic. Yes. It's about how everybody's busting their ass and yes. these guys are supporting them. Yeah. But the media ran with it, like, oh my God, this is has a racial element to it. It's a white. Not man. at all. Not it. No. Not. You know what the racial element to it there was? There is no racial element. Yes, there is. And the, the people that defended the guy were parts of the media. There were all sorts of minorities that was like, hey, wait a second. Don't crucify this guy. Mm -hmm. This guy's a singer and an artist, and he's delivering a message. Yes. And we all got it. Yes. And Do it you, didn't matter what color you were or what identity you were or whatever. Wait, wait, hold Everybody on. You're saying the it. media defended that guy? I'm saying that the media went after that guy, and then people... Okay. Like you and I. Yeah. That have a small little bit to do with the media. Like maybe yeah. have a podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or have an internet show. Yeah. Or a YouTube show or whatever. They were all like, bullshit. Well, this guy is singing a song that we all feel. What would happen? That we if, can all relate to. What would happen? What would happen if Hank Williams Jr., Bo Cephas himself, wrote A Country Boy Can Survive in Today's Day and Age? He would get crucified. And that song's been there for 40 years. So why all of a sudden are people up in arms about a new guy with a new song when we've been singing and talking about the same exact thing for the last 60, 70, 80 years? Because that's... It's the, nothing new. That's the difference between <coughs> used to living in a country... Used to live, used to live in a country that... Was totally we had cool. balls. Well, people were totally cool with artists we saying what they balls. wanted to say. Now we live in a country which is more like Everybody's... a banana republic where the media wants to control everybody in their thoughts. Yeah. And that's what I mean by this How would you like to be a comedian? Republican. How would you like to be a comedian in today's day and age? How could you do that? 
Don Rickles would be hung up by his Buster Browns. Well, I think it's all changing. I think everybody's getting over it. You think so? I think so. I hope you're right. I think we're gonna. I think we're going to get on a good path. Well, I mean, we went through a really bad path with all this misinformation stuff, stuff that we went through in the last election, the BLM stuff, the riots, the January 6th stuff. It's all had this huge spin and everything. But we were fed so much horseshit by the media for so long that now normal everyday people can see right through it and they're like, we're not going to do this again. We're not going to fall for this crap again. We don't believe what you say. We know what you say is horseshit. Well, here's okay. So misinformation. So here's the so here's the here's the here's the rub on everything that you just said. I think generally speaking, you probably are right. I think people are fed up with it. Having said that, if we truly do live in a banana republic, which I believe that we do, then it's not going to matter. Public opinion doesn't matter in a in a banana republic the only thing that matters in a banana republic is that you subvert the will of the people and misinformation is where it starts when it comes to elections is where it ends because it doesn't matter who the people really vote for well i don't care if you're voting for the president or you're voting for your mayor or your congressman it doesn't matter Okay, it only matters what you can control. All right, and there is no two ways about it that the will of the people are being subverted by the media. And you know why? Because they're afraid. Whoever is paying for the media, whoever is driving that narrative, because it's not the media itself, it's whoever's paying the media. It's the money behind the okay, media. Okay, it's the money behind the media. Whoever that is, and I don't care if you're a Democrat or a Republican, it makes no difference. None. Okay? It's all the same bullshit because they're the ones that are afraid of what you guys like you and I and anyone else are thinking. We can't have, we can't have a true representative republic anymore. And there's no better... There's no better um, study on that than American politics and campaigns in particular. Spe- and you, you watch. No, I, I'm, I feel you. And we're coming up on an election year, so we're getting yeah. ready to get fed a whole bunch of horseshit, which is yeah. already happening. It's with, already happening, dude. They, they. How, how does, how does there only one side to the Trump story when it comes to him getting indicted? Well, wait a minute. Let me ask you a question. Let me back up on that. All right. Do you think that he would even be indicted if he wasn't running for president? No. Not a chance. Not a chance. Not a chance. And I don't want to get into the the Trump versus Biden thing because they're both. Let me tell you something. I wish they could both lose. I think they're both terrible for this country right now. But I'm just telling you right now. The will of the people is being wholly subverted. Correct. Okay. And and the powers that be on both sides of the aisle are deathly afraid of how you and I will vote. That's true. Speaking of a little bit of politics and our good old boy DeSantis. Ron. So Ron. Ron looks like Ron's going to be our ma- uh, our governor for a while. Okay. I, yeah. Okay. I, He's I, not going anywhere. I'm somewhat happy with that. Yeah. But what do you? what's your take on 
He extended the snapper season for two more weeks. It should be. It, there shouldn't be a snapper season at all. There's plenty of American red snappers. You can catch them like grunts in the Gulf right now. Anywhere. I, I worked for five years offshore in the Gulf of Mexico running crew boats. And at the end of the day, we'd tie up to a rig and hang off the rig in the current. And I'd go down and I'd drop a jig d- down to the bottom and whack the piss out of them. Right. It's nothing to catch a red snapper. They're everywhere. Do you think for one second... That, it's overregulated. That the extension on the red snapper season yeah. was nothing except to appease anglers to get votes. Eh, probably. I mean, why else does a politician do anything? Exactly my point. Okay. Exactly. If he really wants to, if he really wants to get some votes, he start he'd start running on water, which he's not. Which he's not doing. Nobody is. Dude, he's in Iowa. Yeah. They don't have they don't have sewage problems. Are they in, in Indiana Iowa. yet? I don't know. They're still in Iowa. They were at a fair, some state fair. They were all eating cotton candy and kissing babies, uh, but but I you know again though it's got to start right here at the local level. We got to get rid of this mayor. How many more sewage spills do we got to put up with before somebody raises an eyebrow? I mean, I I, I don't understand it. Well, and that's where the media is failing us the most. Yeah, uh, for us. As Floridians. As Floridians, you betcha. Because they're talking about, they'll talk about the two-week extension, the red snapper thing, which means absolutely nothing. Nothing. Less than nothing. No one talks about, so Ron and the Tallahassee crew pat themselves on their back for spending $14.9 million on red tide initiatives. $14.9 What does that even mean? What's a, what's a red tide initiative? It means nothing. It means that there was $14.9 million that the state squandered on some sort of friggin' bullshit. The same way the city squandered the $3 million to clean up the Tarpon River project. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. But they did that. That actually happened. I mean, they had a big they sp- public ceremony. They spent the $3 and, million. That and, happened. And they, yeah, but they, they went out there and they had a big public ceremony and it was in the paper. So it must have happened, right? Well, that's exactly my point. The media... That's driving the narrative. The media, instead of telling the real story and telling how the river still polluted and how the $3 million was squandered on absolutely nothing, which was the real story, the media covered the PR story that the government wanted. And then they sent sent, uh, uh, Nancy Gassman out to try and pull the wool over all the eyes of the HOA meetings. Around town, right? And my point is, I'm just, I'm just, what com- the hell? I'm just comparing apples to apples. So they spent three million dollars on doing nothing in that little canal. If you let me fourteen point nine million dollars for the whole state. If you, if you, <laughs> let me tell you something. Oh, I get it. And let me just tell you something. If I, I wish I had known that that public ceremony was going to happen, because I would have gladly gone down there. And I would have challenged each one of those uh, public officials to jump in the Tarpon River. I mean, the Hammersheet was it was the Tarpon River to jump in the uh, the Tarpon River and take a swim. Go ahead, it's cleaned up. What they, do you got to worry about? They faked it. They got on paddle boards and paddled down the canal and took pictures of people like it was okay. 
knowing damn well that they wouldn't touch the water. Even the Fort Lauderdale sandbar guys are starting to wake up. Okay, are you, are you I mean, getting, are you, you getting infected? The, I mean, I don't understand. I don't understand how how you put people in the water on that sandbar. Mm-hmm. All right. So a charter company that has one of these pontoon boats that charters people that brings them out there and lets them swim. When they get the MRSA infection, are they going to be held liable? Because the data is there. The data is there saying that fecal bacteria level is too high. Well, I think they're they taking could be. People, yeah, they I should they, be. I think they could be, and I'll tell you why. I think, first of all, first of all, I don't understand how there isn't a class action lawsuit against the city of Fort Lauderdale right now. I don't understand it. Every single time there's a sewage leak, everybody throws up their arms and goes, ah, and then that's it. And nothing gets done. Correct. At what point does somebody say, you know what? Let's lawyer up and sue the city. People are going to have to get sick. Okay. Will that wake up the city? I mean, John Tedder got sick. John, Don, John Tedder uh, got really sick. So did Sue Bailey. And Sue Bailey a, and did, yeah. A list that's of, right. Yeah. There's a list of other people. Yeah. My point is, in this Banana Republic... That controls the media. The story not happening. The story is that. No, it's not a story. But what we do, what we are hearing is we're hearing about the two-week extension of the Red Snapper season. <sighs> well, you know, listen, you know, it's it's uh, what do we got here? It's the uh, it's almost the end of August, so we got an election cycle coming up next year. It's a little early. People are not paying attention to it. The kids are going back to school. Uh, life's starting to suck again for a lot of people. So this is not the thing that they want to talk about uh, right now. And yeah, unfortunately, you kind of have to time this stuff. And in the meantime, before the election cycle, I hope you don't get Mercer or your digits start falling off when you go swimming on the sandbar. And let the misinformation begin. Yep. Because it is an election cycle. It is. And the shit that they're going to feed us. And remember, everybody, it's a bunch of shit that they're going to feed us. Buckets for and the buckets next, of shit. Right. For the next 14 months. Just get ready for it. Hold, but, your, hold your nose. Listen to Norm and I on the Real Guy podcast being real. Because the realer you are, the more they want to shut you up. And if you don't think so, look at these country singers that are coming out with some real friggin' lyrics. And the last thing that the media wants is to hear anything that's the truth. Yeah. Oh, no, you can't You can't tell the truth. They won't cover the truth. Norm, thanks for coming into the Real Guy fucking podcast. Hey, it's it great a to pleasure. have you. It was a pleasure. Run that dog. Run that dog, pal. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.